0: Uh, I had to get blood drawn today so I got std tested today friendly reminder for everyone out there to get mm-hmm. STd tested um Woo-hoo. and um the lady used my other arm that I don't usually use for blood draws because the veins aren't as good nice so that
1: did you need to get blood drawn for the
0: testing that you've yeah. done because uh, okay. I get the full panel that includes HIV and syphilis since I am exposed to blood and bodily fluids. Sorry, at work. So, and we have quite a few like HIV positive patients and not the. and if I had like an accidental needle stick or something like that, I would just go to like the occupational health, but I've, I don't yeah. have issues getting my blood drawn. So I figured why not just do the full panel? Cause better safety. Mm-hmm. Sorry.
1: Better safe than sorry, and knowing your shit mm-hmm. is good,
0: and especially having a compromised immune system, like yeah, you already have an autoimmune disease.
1: You do not need do you do not need another one in the case of the case of HIV. That's more.
0: That's actually an acquired immune disease. But yes, okay. I thought the A and AIDS standard for, for acquired immunodeficiency syndrome. Autoimmune huh. is like it doesn't have. That's like more of a genetic thing. Ah, mm-hmm.
1: you learn yep. every day. And by that I mean I know nothing, and I learn from
0: you <laughs> every day. So spe- Ooh, speaking of autoimmune diseases, uh, welcome, ah. <laughs> welcome to the uh, podcast, guys. Welcome to the podcast. We'll be fun. Yeah, later. we're both just like. Meh. Um, my name's Amanda Peacock. My name's Katie Coyle. And this is the 50 Worst Dates podcast where this week <laughs> we are talking about dating with chronic illness. And this is part one of a two part segment Um, because today we are going to focus on physical chronic illnesses. And then next week we will talk about chronic mental illnesses, which like all mental illnesses are. Actually, no. Most mental illnesses are chronic, so. Yeah, but Um, some,
1: yeah, but that's a different part of your body, mostly. So we're going to talk about that another time. And because that would be a real downer of an episode if we tried to pack it in. It'd be like three hours long. We'd both cry. You don't want that. Mm -mm. So we're just going to talk about one at a time.
0: Got to take it. Uh, how does that Jordan Sparks song go? One step at a time.
1: Yeah. I was going to say one dinosaur at a time, but that's the thing that you should be saying.
0: Yeah. I mean, I just got the Jordan Sparks song stuck in my head. But yes, we got to take it one dinosaur at a time. And for those who don't know, I have that tattooed on my body. So yeah, great. Like an oral person does. Um, but speaking of chronic illness, someone actually sent me a picture of a tattoo mm. of someone that they met today. And it's like this girl and it says lupus sucks on it. Because it does suck. And I was like, you ain't wrong, though. Yeah, you're not wrong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're not so,
1: fucking wrong.
0: Yeah. So um, this topic is very near and near. Near and near, near and near to my heart, near and dear to it's my heart. Literally
1: inside your heart and your soul yeah. and your body. Well,
0: no. well yeah. Mm-hmm. Because your girl has not one, not two, not even three, but four chronic illnesses. Casual four. Um, yeah, just the casual four. Um, it's like when you get an autoimmune disease, you basically become a Pokemon trainer and you got to catch them all. So, um, they kind of start adding up. So right now I'm at four. Well, okay, I'm at three autoimmune diseases. One of my chronic illnesses is generalized anxiety disorder, which we'll talk about in the next ep- like next podcast episode. Um, so today we're gonna focus on my other three. Um, but kind of the plan for this episode A will journey. be, you know, yeah, this journey that I will take you on. I love this um, journey for you. Mm-hmm. We're gonna. I'm gonna talk about my personal experiences, give some brief definitions of things, um, and then Katie and I are just gonna have our typical banter about the dos and don'ts.
1: Yeah, of, I'm gonna try uh, and keep it upbeat and funny, guys, because I personally do not have a chronic illness. I know plenty of people who do. I like, yeah, like I, I obviously know Amanda. She is not a stranger, and. Yeah, I exist in the world, so I know people, but I personally don't, so I'm kind of on this journey. If you're sitting there like, holy fuck, that sounds heavy, and I don't relate to having diseases that ravage my body like that, I'm with you. I like can't even begin to really comprehend a lot of Amanda's experiences, and when she like randomly tells me things, I'm just like, oh, oh that sucks, and it's <laughs> really like, the best you can do sometimes. So, like, if you're sitting there and sitting back like, fuck, do I care? First of all, you should. Second of all, you definitely know someone who has a chronic illness, even if they haven't outright told you. You have friends and family and coworkers and people you see on the bus and people who live around you and stuff like that. You know someone who struggles with things like this. It's not that uncommon. So sit back and relax with me and we'll take this journey together. And if you are in Amanda's camp and you do have a chronic illness, I hope you see something in this that makes you feel like you're not alone. Sound yeah. good, kids? Sound good? What a beautiful monologue. I know. Um, I'm so, just trying to transfer us over to an ad break. That's what I was, I was just going to say. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So we're going to take a break, listen to this beautiful ad, and then we'll be back.
0: And we're back. We're back. Um, so... Everyone, you know, settle in, get cozy. I'm going to try to keep this lighthearted. I'm not going to like go into it. Or if your
1: bones are made of glass and your skin is made of paper, don't get comfy because that's impossible for you. (laughs) What is that from again? I have glass bones and paper skin. Every night my heart attacks lull me to sleep. (laughs) What is that from? (laughs) From SpongeBob.
0: Oh, yeah. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Okay. Yeah. I'm like, I know I know that. Um, yes. So as I said, um, I'm going to try to keep this as lighthearted as I can. This is a pretty serious topic. Um, and the way that I typically handle my issues just in general is with humor. Um, and I'm not going to delve into the nitty gritty details of like my illnesses and whatnot, but it obviously has an impact on how I date and things like that. Um, so yeah, let's just jump on in get comfortable. Yeah, it's got to an impact on every possible like modem of your life. Why would it impact your dating? Exactly. Um, so as I said, I have three, uh, autoimmune diseases. So, um, I have three autoimmune diseases. Um, the first being lupus, the second being arthritis, and the third being Sjogren's. Which I will talk about each of those here momentarily. Um, But I wanted to kind of talk about some definitions of things to give some clarification to people, especially people who, you know, don't really know anything about the chronic illness world. Um, So I think it's incredibly important to talk about dating with chronic illnesses, whether physical or mental, because obviously not everyone is able bodied and ableism is just as rampant as other feminist issues in dating like sexism, racism, etc. it's just really not talked about because um sexism and racism are a lot more present and affect more people. So um disabilities and able-bodiedness are obviously something that impacts People's everyday lives. So, yeah, but it's also something
1: that can impact you no matter your gender,
0: orientation, or color of your skin. This is true. And it's obviously my experiences that I have with chronic illness are different than so many other people because I am white and I am a woman. So the way that I present is different. I also have invisible illnesses. So I have kind of invisible illness privilege in that. You know, you can't tell that I'm disabled or not fully able-bodied, which is a blessing and a curse. Um, But, yeah, so when I speak on my experiences, I'm not speaking for the entire community because obviously everyone experiences it differently. Um, And so I want to preface with that as well. So... To start with some kind of clarifications and definitions, the first one I wanted to talk about is what chronic illness is. So um, chronic diseases are defined broadly as conditions that last one year or more and require ongoing medical attention, or they limit activities of daily living, or both. Mm -hmm. So so as I mentioned, I have uh, invisible illnesses, which and invisible disability or hidden disability are typically disabilities that are not immediately apparent. So, you know, mental illness, you're not really going to be able to necessarily see that someone's depressed or anxious, things like that. People who have epilepsy, typically you don't know. Um, so anything of that spectrum, those are invisible illnesses. Sorry, I had to take a sip of tea. Um, <laughs> That's the tea. And that's the T. And then there's a disability. So nearly one in two people in the United States has a chronic medical condition of one kind or another, but most people are not considered to be disabled as their medical conditions do not impair their normal everyday activities. So you can have diabetes or you can have heart failure, but that doesn't make you disabled. Um, What makes you disabled is... um, having a physical or mental impairment that substantially limits one or more major life activity. And this is according to the American Disabilities Act. Mm -hmm. Um, So. Which like if you've ever
1: applied to or signed on to a job, you're supposed to check off your disability mm -hmm. if applicable. And it's some really crazy shit, but it's also some very run of the mill shit like major depression and anxiety disorder, OCD. Mm -hmm. So understand that like yes you shouldn't be limited by your disability yes you not everybody has one but like it's not uncommon and it's not unheard of for very normal people who technically by the letter of the law be disabled
0: yeah so yeah and that's a whole other thing too and disclosing for a job is some tricky business because I mean they're legally not supposed to
1: stop you, but...
0: <laughs> yeah, but, like, obviously, because it's on an application, they can definitely do it. You know, same thing with race. So it's, like, a whole hit or miss. Um, but having a chronic illness doesn't necessarily mean that you're disabled. Um, but in my opinion, and I think in many other people's opinion, your able-bodiedness is ultimately determined by you and the illness because you, like, someone else can't tell you how able... You are. And yeah. the only times in which it really matters legally is if just the government, like if you qualify for like disability, that's different. But you don't have to necessarily have like disability license plates or disabled license plates to be considered disabled. Mm-hmm. And there's also issues with the turn term disabled um, because it does have a negative connotation. And so there's plenty of people within the community that don't like that term. I'm just using it for the purpose of the podcast for just ease because- You know what
1: it means, guys. Yeah.
0: People know what it means, but I just want to clarify that I know that not everyone likes that word and they're trying to- Differently
1: abled. Yes.
0: Differently abled. Yeah. And all those jazz. And those are- Great, but... um,
1: Don't fucking call people handicapped. That's not cool anymore, guys.
0: Yeah, and so I just wanted to clarify that. Um, And then there's able-bodiedness. So those are people who don't have a disability or chronic illness. Um, So for the nature of this episode, we're going to kind of refer to able-bodied folks as what you would define as like normal or normies who don't have any significant chronic illness that results in a disability. So able-bodied privilege... Um, essentially it originates from the idea that because you are able-bodied, you presume that everyone else is able to do the same things, um, you take for granted, like running, listening to the radio, reading a book, accessing literally any building, things of that nature. Um, so right now, because we're talking about physical chronic illnesses, um, the able-bodiedness refers to physically able um, because, obviously, you can be mentally not able and all of that jazz. Mm-hmm. Um, but just for purposes of this specific episode we're talking about. Physical. Physical. Yeah. And then there's ableism, which is uh, the discrimination or prejudice against individuals with disabilities. Um, so ableism shows up everywhere. And for women... Um, or queer folks, it's sometimes hard to, or people and people of color, it's hard to pinpoint whether it's misogyny, ableism, uh, racism, or just a wonderful combination when Mm -hmm. people
1: are Yeah, you're just an asshole.
0: Yeah. So ableism, especially in dating, isn't um, necessarily overt, uh, especially for people With invisible illness. But when my ex. Broke up with me. um, He. In part of his spiel. Tried to tell me that I couldn't connect with him. And his past. I said. And his passion for running. Passion for running. Fuck. I can't type on this Google Doc. Um, He tried to claim that I couldn't connect with him. And his passion for running. Because like I'm. Literally not supposed to be running. Like. I like physically can't do it. So
1: you couldn't go on runs with him therefore he broke up with you? Okay.
0: Yeah well that's just part of the reason you know the other part being that uh, I don't want to be a priest's wife so.
1: That too. I mean good news you'll never have to like feel obligated to run a 5k on Thanksgiving.
0: This is true. Now I can run but basically if I continue to do so I will need total knee replacements by the age of 30. So, running is very detrimental to my body.
1: Yeah, you probably shouldn't run.
0: Yeah. So Only when
1: zombies are chasing you or a murderer. <laughs> Yay. Keep it to those, those two scenarios. That's it.
0: Yep, pretty much. Like, if I go to the gym and I'm on the treadmill and I run, it's for approximately, like, five minutes. And I'm like, there we go. There <laughs> we go. My body hurts. Uh, yep. So... With my um, because many people don't know what lupus, arthritis, or Sjogren's... People sure as fuck well don't know what Sjogren's is. I don't know what Sjogren's is. Everyone knows what arthritis is because old people have it. And some people know what lupus is because of House or Selena Gomez or um, other random shit. Or now, I guess, because Kim Kardashian thought that she might have had it. So, Yeah. <laughs> She will single-handedly do more for lupus than Selena Gomez has in the past however many years. That
1: Kardashian's episode already did.
0: Exactly. Um, so with lupus, um, the Latin term means wolf. Um, and so it's very interesting because I am a vampire through and through. And my chronic illness would indicate that I might be a werewolf. But that is not the case, my friends. Um, so with lupus, according to – I kind of give the definition based off of uh, the Lupus Foundation of America. So in lupus, something goes wrong with the immune system. And this happens with any autoimmune disease pretty much. Um, your immune system, which is the part of your body that fights off viruses, bacteria, germs, all that jazz. Your osmosis
1: Jones, if you
0: will. Yes. Um <laughs> Yeah. I'm I mean, going to
1: break all this down into the context of Osmosis Jones. Get ready.
0: Your Osmosis Jones is uh, malfunctioned in that um, while in a normal person, their immune system would produce proteins called antibodies um, that fight off these invaders. invaders, being the viruses, bacteria, germs, et cetera. Autoimmunity means your immune system cannot tell the difference between these foreign invaders and your body's healthy tissues. So as a result, it creates autoantibodies, so antibodies that will attack your own cells. Um, Osmosis
1: Jones is just sending his dudes to arrest everyone. (laughs) He is shutting down every party.
0: Yes, and so basically my immune system is – overactive and it attacks itself. Um and so lupus can affect it most commonly affects the kidneys and the heart um but it can affect literally any part of the body. Um, you can die from lupus. I could uh have infertility issues because of it, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um I'm more susceptible to getting sick and I'm typically sick for longer um and I currently take uh a chemotherapy and then a biotherapy, which are both pretty strong drugs to treat it. She's um, got
1: needle drugs, guys. Yeah,
0: I have to do self injections. Um, I there's actually only one FDA approved medication for lupus specifically. Typically, the drugs for lupus um, are anti malarials. Don't know how that works, but I'm immune to malaria, so that's great. Um, and
1: don't anti malarials give you hallucinate like? hallucinations
0: i think malaria gives you hallucinations
1: no i've because there's the possibility of me going to a foreign land for work and i've heard that they the, the big pills that you take can give you like hallucinatory like d- waking dreams
0: well i have been on it for like five years or seven years okay and so you're uh, good you're not imagining this. I don't yeah, I don't have hallucinations, so we're good. Cool. So you guys, uh-huh. I'm here to ask the stupid questions <laughs> you
1: might want to ask, but you're you're not here to ask them, so I'm here.
0: Yeah, so um I take an antimalarial, and I've tried they also try steroids, um, but steroids pretty have pretty gnarly side effects and I hated them, so I went off of them and then I started taking this oral chemotherapy which is often used for arthritis and things of inflammatory nature Um, but I don't want to be on that long term so I'm weaning off of that and I am on the only FDA approved drug for lupus um, which they don't let you go on right away either so if you're listening and you have lupus I am sorry, but um, you have to meet certain qualifications. Um, But it's definitely you have to
1: suffer first,
0: pretty much. You have to basically prove that you've tried all these other options and failed, and all this jazz. So, but it has been helping me, so that's great. Um, And yeah, so it basically. I have a very nice immune system that likes to attack myself, so it's awesome. Mm-hmm. So with that, um, I've got lupus-induced arthritis or lupus arthritis. Um, so arthritis is one of the most common symptoms of lupus, um, and it's the arthritis that I have acts very similarly to that of like rheumatoid arthritis, which is what a lot of and Rocky has some thoughts. Mm -hmm. Um, so it acts very similarly to that of rheumatoid arthritis, which is the one a lot of people think of, or osteoarthritis, um, because it's caused by inflammation and it causes wear and tear of my joints. Um, however, it's not as severe, I guess, as like something like rheumatoid arthritis, but mine is inflammatory. Um, and it does damage my joints. So hence my knees, I mainly have it in my knees and hands. Um, so yeah, that's, it's really fun. Um, and I love it. So
1: (laughs) yeah, it's the best.
0: 10 out of 10 would recommend feeling like an old man every day. Um, so you
1: dress like an old man already. So it kind of matches up. You brought it on yourself.
0: This is true. So my symptoms with lupus predominantly are severe chronic fatigue and this is common with a lot of people who have like fibromyalgia, multiple sclerosis, lupus, anything of that nature. Um, so, this is not just I'm tired all the time. This is like debilitating. I cannot function normally tired. So, I actually take a stimulant for that. Um, mm-hmm. I'm also very sensitive to the sun, which is a symptom of lupus, but also a side effect of a lot of the medications for lupus. So, I'm like extra sensitive. Um, I am sensitive to extreme temperatures, predominantly cold temperatures. Um, during the winter, I get what's called Raynaud syndrome, um, or what I like to term, term, uh, ghosty fingers because it's basically poor circulation and my hands just turn very white and I lose sensation and it's not fun. So that's great. Um, and then... The malar rash.
1: for the friendly ghost. Like if you have Raynaud's syndrome and then you grab someone's ass but you can't feel anything and your hands are cold, did you do it? Or did a ghost do it?
0: Ooh. Spooky. Both? Both. Because <laughs> it's still you. It's just your ghost hand. <laughs> ghost hands. Yeah. And then um, I also sometimes get the malar rash, which is um, the butterfly rash that kind of goes across your cheeks and your nose, um, and it's this red rash. It doesn't hurt, and you can, like, put makeup over it. Mine is pretty faint, which is good because I have very pale skin. Um, But when it does flare up, I have, like, a redness, basically, across my cheeks and nose. Um, So, yeah, there's that. And then my last one is Sjogren's which is another autoimmune disease. So it acts very similarly to that of lupus where my immune system is hyperactive and can't differentiate my cells, et cetera, et cetera. But this one is associated with dryness, um, predominantly dryness of the mouth and eyes. So the vagina. And the vagina. So anything <sighs> – really anything with mucous membranes um, – It can cause dryness, but most commonly it can cause dry mouth and dry eyes. So it can result in vision or dental issues. Um, So the symptoms of Sjogren's frequently overlap or mimic those of other diseases, like I mentioned. Um, My symptoms that I get are swollen. And how I found out I had it was because my parotid glands, which are the salivary glands that sit kind of near your jaw on the side of your face, Um, they were getting very inflamed and swollen. So I looked like a chipmunk, Mm, which was fantastic. But if I tried to eat food, it literally felt like I was being stabbed in the face. So it was awesome, which actually is a symptom of mumps because when I went to the acute care, they tried to tell me that it was mumps. And I said, I'm immune to the mumps because my parents are vaccinators. Thank you very much. And yeah, I remember
1: that when I lived with someone who didn't have the bumps vaccine, Jesus Jesus Christ, what is wrong with you? So
0: many things, but oh, that is the big one, yeah. I mean, get your MMR people, come on. Um, yeah, so I would we have Obamacare, (laughs) what is wrong with you? Yes, so um, I take a medicine that basically. Increases my spit production to help eliminate getting inflamed salivary glands. Hot. And it works. So that's cool. Um, and then I also have dry eyes, but I just use eye drops for that. And then I do occasionally get the vaginal dryness. So it does apply, obviously, the sexy time because lube is important. Importante. importante. Mm-hmm. Words are hard. Importante.
1: Yeah, so you just like have old lady problems that you shouldn't have as a twenty three year old, exactly. Twenty four year old adult. Your, your birthday was two months ago, <laughs> so you have problems that you shouldn't have. Like, real—that's a real old lady problem. Like arthritis, obviously, and like mm-hmm. lupus, yes, but like
0: vaginal dryness is like post menopausal
1: dryness.
0: Yeah, I typically I don't have an issue with it, but. Desert vats. Yeah, I typically don't have problems with wetness, but sometimes, like, I feel like I can get I get dry pretty quickly. If that makes sense. Sandpaper pussy. <laughs> yeah, we don't want that. No. I so, don't. as you can probably tell by all of my symptoms and everything, and kind of what these diseases are, and all of that jazz, obviously, it affects pretty much every aspect of my life, and that does not exclude dating. Um, so. It's, you know, whether visible or not, um, it's hard to navigate when you're dating. You know, when am I supposed to tell the person? Will they understand? How many questions will they have? Will they be less attracted to me, et cetera, et cetera? Like, how will this change how they view me? It's something that for me has taken time to figure out, and it's still not perfect because it honestly varies so much. Um, so, that's kind of why we wanted to do this episode because it's a part of life that affects a lot of people and is not, I feel like, really talked about. When I was diagnosed, I didn't have anyone um, who was there for me to help me navigate through it. And I was diagnosed when I was seventeen. Um, I had you guys as friends, but you you don't understand what that's like. And so I didn't know anyone. Wow. I didn't know anyone who was around my age. went through the same thing because it's a big deal. And every aspect of my life has been changed because of it. I've learned I've become more confident as a person because of it. But I've also, you know, I have to be so in tune with my body. And when you're in your teens and your early 20s, and you're just You're
1: not in tune
0: with your body. That's for damn sure. Because you think that you're um, like immune to everything, and you're immortal because you're like I'm young, I'm healthy, I don't need to go see the doctor. You know, I don't. Everything works the way I want it to. Exactly. Like I don't need to have a primary care doctor because I'm not sick. But for me, you know, I have to have my primary care doctor. I have to have a rheumatologist. I have an ophthalmologist. I went and saw a cardiologist for a while because I was having heart issues. Like. I also see a dermatologist like I have a lot of different doctors and I have to navigate parts of adulthood that people typically don't deal with until middle age. And mm-hmm. it adds to a lot of burdens, you know, dating wise, financial burdens, things of that nature, because if I don't get under, under control, I could die, first of all. And also, you know, I could end up with out outrageous medical bills, things of that nature. So it's really, it's something that's really frustrating because it's hard enough to meet people just in general in life that know what you're going through. Um, Mm
1: -hmm. and it's
0: really hard to meet someone on a romantic level who can be a good partner about that. Um, Mm -hmm. because it does affect Although it doesn't affect them to the way that it affects you, it still obviously affects the relationship because there's going to be things that you want to do but you can't do.
1: Mm-hmm. So,
0: for example, when I was with Matt, you know, I would have loved to have been able to run with him, but running is something that I can't do and it's something that is very is a very touchy topic for me because that was my passion and... I can't do it anymore. And for a long time, I was very depressed about that. And so dating a runner was very interesting for me. But he was really – I mean, he was always really great and supportive. But it's hard to explain what you're going through to someone who literally will never and cannot fathom it, like mm-hmm. said at the beginning of the episode. So um, – you know, it's definitely, there's no right or wrong way to really go about it. Um, You just kind of have to figure out what works for you. And the biggest tip that I have for people is to really take time to, if you are recently diagnosed with something or struggling with a diagnosis, take time to really sit with yourself and come to kind of deal with all of those emotions because it's a lot. And, Mm -hmm. you know, it does take up, it does affect every aspect of my life from work to dating to just functioning normally. Um, but I've learned a lot about myself and I've really had to listen to myself so that way I know my limits and all of that. So while I have lupus and I have shoguns and I have all these things and they are a huge part of my life, they don't define me. Um, they're just a part of who I am. And so I use them to incorporate, you know, things in my life pretty much. So I'm genuinely relatively open, um, about it. And I love talking about it because most people don't know about lupus and stuff. So I love to educate. That's why I'm going into an educator role, right? Um, Mm -hmm. (laughs) so I am generally open about it in my everyday life and don't really have issues disclosing it to people who I'm dating, but it's, it can be very daunting because especially if you're not, you know, settled down and things like that and you're dating and you're in the dating realm, like I am now seeing different people and whatnot, I don't really want to dive into it right away. And it's a lot to slice off and exactly to, someone. And to explain it over and over and over and over and over again is just really exhausting because I mean, I deal with it every day, every like moment of every day of my life. And then to have to do it to like to explain to a new person and all this stuff, like it's fine, but it's people don't understand. And that gets little... now you can just point them to this episode. Exactly. <laughs> so when it comes to like,
1: Hey, if, you, if you've come, you've come far, kid. Now to continue, I need you to listen to this episode of my podcast. And if you're still down, I'll be naked in my bedroom. Yeah. See you later.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So um, I was reading this article from the Washington Post um, and this woman Mm -hmm. highlighted kind of her struggles with endometriosis and something really stuck out to me. And it's. uh,
1: Endometriosis especially is such a common um, invisible illness that like, yeah, when your coworker tells you that, like, they can't come in that week because they have their period and they're upfront about it, like, you don't fucking know if that's what they're dealing with. They could be like, I'm sick of people and I want to yeah. sit with my cat. Or they could be like, my cat is literally falling out of my body because yeah. I have endometriosis. And if I don't lay with a serious pressure on myself, I think I'm going to die.
0: <laughs> yeah, so – Her quote is that um, sometimes dating feels like a refuge where I can live without endometriosis defining who I am, not only through the eyes of my partner, but in my own consciousness. It allows me to exist, if only transiently, in a world where my health is not the lens through which I see myself. Being sexual and seen as such without even the unspoken awareness of my being sick made me feel human, alive. And that was like so fucking just powerful to me because it's very true. And although Mm -hmm. I've come to terms with my illness, I still have days where I'm really down about it, but it is nice to kind of be able to interact with someone and not have that be the elephant in the room. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So when it comes to disclosing chronic illness, that's something that you have to do whenever you're ready. Um, There's no Correct time to do it. Um, I'm an I'm a very open person, and I don't mind talking about my illnesses. But I'm not going to drop that bomb in the middle of sex. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) (laughs) You could drop that you're a virgin in the middle of sex. Yeah, I mean, but that's some people like to do that. But that happened to me. That literally happened to me on Saturday. It was great. Um, (laughs) so I typically. I typically bring it up relatively early um, because of the fact that it is a huge part of my life and I deal with it constantly. Um, Mm. And especially if I'm starting to talk to someone that I think it could... I know pretty early on if the person that I'm talking to is someone that I could be like, oh, I want to explore this. Um, I try to tell them sooner rather than later because I I just don't want to waste my time on people who are going to be assholes about it. Um, Mm. 99% of people I've met have been chill. Like, There's not... I've never met anyone that's been Rocky's jumping up.
1: Well, it's a dick move to not be chill about yeah, it. Yeah, but
0: I've never really met anyone that was like, oh, ov- like just straight up so ignorant and asshole-ish. Um There's yeah yeah. So there's always that initial pity party after you tell someone and pretend like them pre- maybe pretending to know what it is or that awkwardness where you know that they have questions but they're too afraid to ask because they don't want to be disrespectful but honestly mm-hmm. it's
1: that's what I do it's
0: more disrespectful to like in my opinion for me to not ask questions than to just pretend to know what I'm talking about because I know I can tell that you have no idea
1: bro she told me she has a lupus so I think that means she's a werewolf <laughs> Can you do it? That's my Jason impression from the good place.
0: Yes. <laughs> Amazing. Um so it's it really has to be up to you and you kind of have to feel, feel out that moment. So, you know, I've been talking like I was talking to someone and I mentioned how I'm going to be talking about chronic illness on a podcast, which is like me bringing it up. And mm-hmm. um Usually I just wait until I see an opportunity where I'm like, okay, so I have this thing and I don't go into the nitty gritty details about it, but I think it's important for people to know because you can't tell that I'm sick and that is a blessing, but it's also a curse because people assume that I'm able-bodied and people assume that I can do these things and it makes it harder for people to understand because they see me and they- Well, you shouldn't-
1: have to like validate your illness to anybody or like explain to them how severe it is and that's
0: true but sometimes you know I want to talk about it or sometimes I'm dealing with something and it's hard to explain because people don't get it and that's fine Mm -hmm. but yeah
1: I mean do you you want people to be able to truly empathize with you you don't want other people to have lupus yeah
0: no but I mean it's just
1: would you date another person who also had lupus or like another autoimmune disease?
0: I mean, yeah. Like, I'm not like pursuing someone who has an autoimmune disease, but if I was dating, I would probably be like, "Oh, <laughs> you're not on autoimmune." Yeah, gender. no. <laughs> I probably would be, be a little. I don't know that I'd want to date someone who also had lupus, only because like I would feel like there might be like my thing. No, I just feel like there might be like some weird competition type thing. You yeah. know.
1: No, I feel that with mental illness um, uh in a way. So like, I get it. That's yeah. why I'm curious. But I
0: mean, I don't know. Like, I wouldn't, I don't think them having an autoimmune disease wouldn't be the reason why I wouldn't date them. Mm-hmm. But it would definitely be interesting, I feel like. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> who would take care of us if we were both down? <laughs> right. <laughs>
1: Well, that's, that's my thought on, like, dating another person with depression. Like, but what if we both
0: can't get out of bed? Yeah. Um, I think one of the <laughs> – Who will force us out of bed? I think one of the hardest things, though, is when people don't get it. And especially when you are in a relationship with someone, like, you really want them to understand. And I'm sure they want to understand as well and be able to empathize. Um, and that can be hard because people are very – They have good intentions, but people will say shit that just pisses me off, Um, which we'll kind Mm. of talk about in the do's and don'ts. But yeah, so something before we get into those do's and don'ts, something that I wanted to. So the spoon theory is a great uh, analogy to kind of explain what it's like to have chronic illness. I actually have a and has its origins in a Tumblr post. Yes, from a woman. It's actually a blog from a woman who has lupus. Um, and I actually have a spoon tattooed on my arm because of it. Uh-huh. But
1: I thought that's because you really
0: like cereal. I mean, that's usually my go-to answer. But, um, so, but the real yeah, The real reason. reason. The spoon theory is basically this theory that was kind of devised by this woman who has lupus um, to explain to her non-sick friends what it's like to have lupus. So you have X amount of spoons in a given day, and these spoons represent your energy or, like, activities. So Mm -hmm. doing the dishes. I mean, you you only have so many clean spoons in your drawer, right? So – Doing the dishes, showering, going to the gym all require a certain amount of spoons. Um, And there's actually like some people have come up with like a chart. (laughs) But to me, I just kind of make it as simple as possible. You have X amount of spoons for the day. And each activity that you do requires a certain amount, some more than others. Um, And eventually you might run out of spoons. Um, And at that point, you're just kind of so drained to a level that you are either not functioning at your best or you like straight up can't function anymore. So there's some days where I have to nap after I take a shower because I'm so exhausted from probably like whatever I did that morning Mm -hmm. that the thought of like putting on clothes is unbelievably daunting to me. I can imagine this is kind of like what having like a depressive episode is like where, Mm -hmm. you know, you can't get out of bed or things like that. That's pretty much like, Instead of – I think it's instead of
1: your exhaustion being driven from a physical place, it's a mental place. But it – because it's a mental place, it still permeates your whole body in the same way.
0: So, like, some days I have to sit on my floor and do my makeup because standing just seems terrible. Like, Mm -hmm. right now – or a couple hours ago when I was, like, typing out stuff for this episode, even just typing out stuff was – hard for me to get through. So you have X amount of spoons per day. Each thing that you do requires spoons. And when you run out of spoons, you can't just like keep adding more. And so that's kind of what the spoon theory is. And I think it's a great analogy to kind of describe what it's like because some days I have a surplus of spoons and some days I don't have enough. And I have I have Mm -hmm. a really adorable coworker before we go to an ad break who whenever she sees me she goes, How, how are your spoons today? And it makes my life. So if you have, if you have a friend, how are your spoons today, Amanda? My spoons are not great, but you know I'm here. Yeah. (laughs) But yeah. So if you have a friend who has a chronic illness and knows of the spoon theory, you should ask them how their spoons are today, because that's a really nice way of asking them like how they're doing without being so overt about it. And I think that that's Mm -hmm. really cool. Like whenever.
1: Yo, girl, how your spoons? Yeah, because
0: I don't see her all the time. So when I, it's every time I see her, she's like, "How are your spoons today?" And it just warms my soul. So on that happy note, we're gonna take a little break. Welcome back, and we're back. <laughs> so, so now that you've heard uh, my story, because I know that's what you're here for on this dating podcast. Who lives, who dies, who tells Amanda's story? It's definitely not uh, Elizabeth Schuyler, That's for sure. No, it's you on this podcast. <laughs> um, we're going to talk about kind of some tips and tricks for uh, dating with a disability, and this goes both ways. Like yeah. for people with the disabilities and people who are the partners of said folks. Yeah,
1: because like no, you shouldn't discredit anybody. With like, I've I have talked to people and. You get them in an off moment. And I definitely heard people say, like, I just wouldn't want to date someone. Insert disability here. And it's bullshit. Mm-hmm. Like, it's bullshit. Like, you really need to th- rethink the thing you just said. So here's some top five things of do's and don'ts of dating someone with a disability. Um, Originally from The Mighty, which is specifically a site for the stories and feelings and thoughts and tips and tricks of disabled folks to other disabled folks. So if you if you felt anything during Amanda's <laughs> spiel, if you feel anything during this, if you know someone that's definitely a great resource for you. Um, starting with numeral 1. Don't assume Yabe is delicate mm-hmm. just because Amanda has an autoimmune disorder does not mean that she don't like to get smacked around. <laughs> At the same time, if your boyfriend has hemophilia,
0: maybe don't smack him. yeah, that's uh it's pretty true. Um yeah, for myself, like I'm pretty fortunate in that you can't I'm relatively able bodied there's things there's definitely major life things that I can't do. um
1: yeah, you can't go on runs with your ex-boyfriend
0: because your ex-boyfriend sucks. exactly. Um, however, obviously that's different from a lot of people who are significantly less abled than I am. And it's not fair to just assume that because someone has a chronic illness that they are delicate or less, you know, they, they have a less, lesser quality of life. Cause that's a load of shit.
1: That's a load of shit. And also like, don't assume that they're delicate emotionally. Yeah. Like of all people, these fuckers are dealing with some tough, exactly uh buildings still don't have ramps for them or uh people don't understand that they ran out of spoons Mm -hmm. so
0: these people aren't delicate (laughs) fucking flowers so and for the people who are you know the individuals with the illness like you need to know your own limits and respect them um that's especially hard when you're young because you want to be able to do these things and all of that jazz, but you just can't. And pushing, pushing your body to the limit affects us more significantly than it does for other people. And so like a heavy night out of drinking could affect me more. I have to watch my alcohol intake because of the medications I'm on, things like that. Like I can't drink all the time and all that jazz so there's so many times when i've wanted to do xyz thing but i couldn't because i didn't feel well or didn't have enough spoons or or it just straight up hurt um for example like when it comes to sex being on top for me is not my favorite because it really hurts my knees i mean like bending them for an extended period of time is just excruciatingly painful um and so i don't like to do it but it sucks because it's a great position um, mm-hmm. but I can only do it for a short amount of time because otherwise my knees are just like, fuck you. And then I'm,
1: you got to get her up there at the very yeah, end. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: So, <laughs> or the beginning, you know, get that momentum going. Um, so yeah. And I've also, I've had flare ups of my lupus that get triggered by sex. So, and for people who are like, what the fuck does that mean? My lupus, I mean, I constantly have it obviously, but it goes through exacerbations and whatnot, and my flare-ups kind of feel like the flu, so I feel like I've been hit by the bus pretty much, by a bus pretty much. I'm just very weak, tired, achy, all that jazz. So, lupus is constant, but it can have its moments where it's like, fuck you, and I remember, like, one time, about 20 minutes after sex, I just immediately started feeling like shit. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So...
1: And it wasn't because
0: he was a piece of
1: shit. It was, it
0: was Yeah. Hilarious. I mean, that individual was a piece of shit, but. <laughs> but.
1: but not the direct trigger that exactly. day. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Number two, show that you're willing to learn, understand, and advocate for your person I've never had strong opinions about Selena Gomez, but now I know that she's the worst because she's done absolutely nothing for (laughs) Lupus except for casually drop that she got new kidneys. Like nothing has happened. Uh, As we mentioned earlier, Kim Kardashian, however, has an entire episode arc where she's worried that she has Lupus and goes to doctors and gets like extra consultations because she's concerned and people consistently don't believe you if you have lupus, which is an experience I've never had.
0: Yeah. I've I've had a doctor tell me that nothing was uh, wrong with me without even actually assessing me. So that was great. Who's, who's laughing now? Not me.
1: Who's laughing now? I mean, yeah, probably the people in those ambulances.
0: I mean, Selena Gomez, I mean, that's her experience. And obviously she, can share whatever she wants but it's very frustrating especially for someone with lupus to have someone who has such a powerful like state
1: she's literally the most followed person on
0: exactly Instagram. and it's just frustrating because she has such a platform that I wish that I had and She doesn't Mm -hmm. use it to talk about lupus. And I'm sure that it's really hard for her because I don't know what it's like to have to get a fucking kidney transplant. That's scary. And I hope I don't know Mm -hmm. what that's like. But what I would have killed to have a celebrity who I knew – I knew she had uh, lupus actually years before the rest of the world did because I, like, Googled celebs with lupus and – they're mm-hmm. like Nick Cannon has lupus, Seal has lupus, but like none of them have ever really talked about it. And Selena Gomez was someone that like, I, I mean, we grew up with her. So that would have been really cool for her to kind of speak about that. But she never has. And that's frustrating to me. And while I acknowledge that it's her experience and she's allowed to share as much or as little as she wants, you know, it's important to have those people in your life that have that representation And, Mm
1: -hmm. you know,
0: for people who are hearing that their partner or person that they're dating has these illnesses, you know, it's it's okay not to know what to say. I feel like people always feel like they need to know what to say or have some sort of, like, response or offer some sort of advice. And I would much rather someone just say, that fucking sucks. Like, how can I be supportive Mm -hmm. to you versus offering some bullshit unsolicited advice? I've had people... (sighs)
1: We'll talk about this for like a million years next. Week
0: exactly. As well. You know, especially with mental illness. I have talked about how my knees have hurt after running if I ran like 15 minutes that day. And then I'll joke, like, you know, well, that's what I get because I'm not supposed to run. And people are like, just cut out running. But at the same time, running was my passion. That was the way I relieved stress. That really hasn't mm-hmm. changed. And it's not fair to just tell me to cut it out because Mm -hmm. like if you were told that you cannot do, if there's any passion of yours that you have, whether it's music or some sort of athletic thing or whatever, and you were told, Oh, Hey, you have to just stop doing that. That would be really hard. And Mm -hmm. so don't tell me to just cut out running or don't ask me if I fucking tried CBD because you heard it was good for inflammation. (sighs) Like, shut the fuck up i literally Brad, you tried right me. like i've had people say these things people that i've like started to date say these things to me and i know they're coming from a good place but it's so irritating because it's like i'm on chemotherapy you know i don't enjoy
1: like i'm doing the <laughs> like i
0: don't enjoy and i'm i love holism and i would love to be able to manage of my issues holistically I have a friend who has fibromyalgia and arthritis and she's able she runs marathons and she's completely med free and can manage it holistically but that is not the case for everyone some people have to take medication and it's frustrating to me but I I have to do it I went off of my meds and I got significantly worse and so to offer unsolicited advice is a lot more frustrating than to just acknowledge how shitty it is because It does suck, Mm -hmm. and a lot of times if I'm venting, I just want to vent, and I'll ask for advice if I want it, but I'm probably not going to ask you for advice. So if you just say, that fucking sucks, I'm here if you want to talk about it, or how can I be supportive, that's great. I've really, the the last, the only person that I've ever encountered who could even remotely articulate what it was like to deal with what I deal with was you know, a piece of shit human, but he had, um, like childhood, like a childhood illness. Um, and he could relate to a lot of those things. Um, obviously it was still very different because he was cured of his and whatnot, and I cannot be cured, but it was someone who got it. And so that was really nice, but most people are not like that. And so it's okay not to know what to say just the important thing is to be willing to learn, educate yourself on it, listen to people when they tell you things and just be there for your partner, your friend, whatever.
1: Yeah. I think we all need, I especially like need to stop with unsolicited advice, but especially when it's like an illness that you like can't relate to. That's ridiculous. Mm -hmm. Don't be ridiculous.
0: Yeah. And people are, I think it's just because we want to have something to say, but it's okay Mm -hmm. to not know what to say or to not have anything to say because.
1: It's okay to not know what to say is really important.
0: Because I don't expect most, like, like Katie pointed out, I don't want people to be able to empathize with me. You know, I don't want people to have lupus or have illnesses that they know what this is like. It's It's nice to have someone to talk to about it, but I don't want that. And so I don't expect people to know what to like what I'm going through. And that's fine. I just would much rather people just shut the fuck up sometimes. (laughs) Yeah. Fucking fair. Fucking
1: fair. Number three. Don't feel like your relationship with a person with a disability is any different than it would be if they didn't have a disability Um, and I will just straight up fucking quote this because I couldn't iterate Mm -hmm. it any better. Um, This is coming from the perspective of a disabled person. This includes holding both parties accountable for our actions, allowing us to live normal lives, like going to work, cooking dinner, and taking the dog out for walks, etc. We do not expect you to treat us any differently than someone else when it comes to being held accountable in relationships, expecting the best from us. And always pushing for the best for the relationship. We wanna give and learn just as much as anyone else in a normal relationship would. Don't let your significant other with a disability get away with being an asshole because they have a disability. That's not a good enough reason. People live normal lives every day who are not assholes who have disabilities.
0: And by that, I think that's more, that's even more of like a mental illness issue too, because they, I mean obviously you're you're going through some shit when you get <clears throat> when you have a chronic illness, and I think like people with disabilities can definitely <laughs> play that up and use that to their advantage, so I think it's fair to say to hold both parties accountable because you. If you have someone that's struggling with a diagnosis, especially if it's a recent diagnosis, it's very easy to fall into this trap of self-hatred and self-loathing that will kind of bleed into anything. Um, In sixth grade, so I was diagnosed with, like, adolescent arthritis, too. And in sixth grade, Mm -hmm. I would lie to my gym teacher to get out of running. So, I mean... Sometimes we'll do some shit, man. Because I was like, I have arthritis. I can't run. And then at the end of the year, I was like, by the way, um, I lied to you most of the time. (laughs) Yeah. There's a
1: whole arc on the ABC show Speechless, um, which is about a wonderful misfit family whose their eldest son uh, has cerebral palsy. And he has to repeat an an entire year of high school because he fails – the ACT because he basically gets through life having, letting people feel mm-hmm. sorry for him and letting him like not actually yeah. do anything. And like he, the show is called speechless. Like he is nonverbal. So he like lets his aid, like give him the right answer on tests and does all this stuff that really is a detriment to him in the long run because he has to do an extra year of high school. Um, and it's, be as much as it's everyone else trying to treat this person differently because they're disabled and treat them with an utmost like kindness, but also pity them. This kid is done a detriment because he allows it to happen and doesn't call people on that bullshit. So I think it's important for everybody. I think it's important for Amanda's sixth grade gym teacher to call her (laughs) on her bullshit. Um, Except gym teachers shouldn't do that because I hated gym class. But, yeah, like, everybody's accountable. Don't call everybody on their bullshit. If they can't walk, fuck them.
0: Like, no. (laughs) And also, don't assume that people with disabilities are, like, dumber or things of that nature. Like, if you have someone who's hard of hearing or is impaired visually, don't assume – like, don't scream at them – don't assume that they are yeah. like incapable of doing shit for themselves. I have had plenty of patients who, you know they've had strokes, so they're pretty limited, but they are as independent as they can be. And to assume, and I've also had patients who or have like met people who, you know, are they're just treated like they're dumber because of their disability. and it's like, no.
1: Want to hear a funny story about me treating everyone the same, and by that I mean me being the mom Mm -hmm. friend to everyone. So in college, I interned in L.A. I lived in a sorority house. It was me and a bunch of girls from all over the country living in a house at UCLA. It like could have been a movie, except none of us were that cute or that interesting. Halfway through the summer. Um, there, there was a girl who we became friends with who uh, had a slew of disabilities that very much stemmed from her, uh, from what I understood at the end, being a crack baby, um, which is a whole different level of uh, disabilities and setting yourself up for uh, lots of problems later in life. However, one of her, she lived there year round, and one of her very good friends moved back into the house who also lived there year round. And suddenly there was this new girl in the house. Um, we were sitting there watching, like, The Bachelor or Bachelorette, because that's what bitches do. And her eyes keep fluttering as she sits there on the couch and she's facing the TV. And it just looks like she's, like, barely keeping herself awake. And I'm like, it's 11 o'clock on a Thursday. Like, she should go to bed. She's, don't let us keep you up. And I say something to her, I'm like, hey, yo, don't let us keep you up. You look really tired. Maybe you should go to bed. Uh, I say it again, because I didn't think she heard me. She just didn't look my way. And and then I get a text, and my phone goes, buzz, buzz. And the text reads, Katie, she's blind. (laughs) (laughs) So I was telling the blind girl that she looked really tired, because her uh, eyelids are fluttering, because she's fucking blind. They don't fucking work. Uh, Yeah, but she was diligently listening to The Bachelor. (laughs) Oh fuck. <laughs> but that was literally me just trying to mom friend <laughs> this basically stranger.
0: That's really funny.
1: Because I didn't know any better. Yeah. <laughs> Treat everyone the same, even if it leads to weird embarrassing moments like that, guys. You that can't is- go wrong.
0: Yeah, there you go. There you go. Oh <laughs> uh... <laughs> Katie, she's
1: blind.
0: So with that, we'll go into our fourth tip, which is being able to being able and understanding when your person will need help with things. And no, that's uh, not,
1: that sentence is not written the way it, it should be said.
0: Ow, yeah, well. but, yeah, <laughs> that's okay. It's fine. Uh, uh, yeah, being able to understand that your person needs help with things. Um, yeah.
1: So maybe that girl, that girl did need help up and down the stairs cause those stairs were janky. And so she would occasionally ask you if there was another step.
0: Oh, but he did not need to go to bed. <laughs> Didn't need to
1: go to bed. Could stay up and watch the bachelor. watched the bachelor all night long. I'm just an asshole. Or like we would include the one girl, the other girl who had her own issues and like she, because, because of her, like, prenatal stuff, like, didn't drink, didn't smoke, didn't do a lot of things. And, like, we'd include her and go to parties with her. She just, like, wouldn't drink because she's like, yeah, I'm a, I'm a predisposed to heavy addiction being a crack baby. And mm. so that was fine. Like, that's, I, yeah, like, I don't care. But you include these people and you understand that, like, yeah, maybe you need help. Or maybe you just need to be included and people need to understand your limitations.
0: There you go. Yeah. And with that, like, sometimes a person might need help with things that they can usually do on their own because they ran things.
1: <laughs> yeah. Like, and, like, people with disabilities work around normal stuff every day.
0: Yeah. So, so there was this
1: one video going around Facebook of this girl who didn't have arms and learned to do, like professional grade makeup with her feet
0: yeah it's amazing it's like crazy
1: because she doesn't have thumbs there
0: yeah very i'm
1: just real impressed
0: yeah it's amazing how adaptable humans are and so with that people who are able-bodied should be adaptable to their partners who might need help Mm -hmm. and that's that
1: I did have the question reading this initially, if that like leads into like, if you're planning on dating someone with like a profound disability, they're wheelchair bound, they're paralyzed. Like if you want to marry them, you're going to have to help them with diapers and stuff and feeding tubes. And like, you're very likely going to have to get into the nitty gritty gross stuff because you love them.
0: I mean, yeah, that's
1: something you genuinely have to think about.
0: Yeah. And I think it's fair for people to, if, I don't think it's unfair for people to not. I don't know. I don't know how to word it well, but some people just can't handle that, and that's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're going to be a dick about someone having a disability, that's a difference. But if you right. can't handle the pressure that it puts on to potentially be a caregiver for someone, then a you're kind of a dick. But be like, it's and okay.
1: you're kind of a dick. But like, if you were to date an able-bodied person, fall in love, get married, have kids, live a long life, go go do crazy things, and they end up being like well, the actor who played Superman, the guy who's thrown from the horse and like permanently, oh, no. What's permanently th- paralyzed.
0: He, uh, Christopher Walken? No,
1: not Christopher Walken. <laughs> Christopher <laughs> Reed. Christopher I was, Reed. I was right.
0: It was a Christopher though.
1: You are right. So if you're Christopher Reed's wife, you're never expecting your hot husband who played Superman to end up permanently very disabled. But if you were a normal person and not a multimillionaire, you'd take care of them instead of hiring people to take care of him. Like, I'm sure they did. But, like, it's a reality. Like, it could could happen to you later. So you shouldn't – I don't think you should discredit dating people with disabilities now. If you can't handle it later, don't date anybody, guys.
0: Yeah. And our wonderful last, one. last tip.
1: Do you want? You, you announced that. You deserve it. You okay. earned it.
0: Disabled people. Peopled. Let me restart. <clears throat> Number five. <laughs> Disabled people fuck. We still. Fuck. if If they're a sexual being. Because obviously some people are asexual. Um, we still like sex, but sometimes it has to be modified. So, for example, mm-hmm. you know, what I said about being on top. I can't do that for extended periods of time. And some days I'm not going to be able to be tossed around like I like to be because my body's a little bit tired.
1: You need to love her a little more
0: gently. Exactly. Or sometimes I might need a little extra lube because my Sjogren's is flaring up. It just varies. And mm-hmm. we have to be adaptable. So. Mm-hmm. We still like that. Um,
1: Yeah. And I do want to plug uh, a very cool podcast here on this subject uh, by Andrew Gerza, who is a disabled man out of Toronto. And it's called Disabled After Dark. And he is a LGBT disability sex advocate. And he is crazy. He has crazy stories. I've listened to him on plenty of other podcasts as well as a little bit of his own super fun stuff talks about if this episode, if this episode sparked your interest, definitely an interesting uh, thing to go listen to next because he's very fun. And he's very like nitty gritty. Doesn't give a fuck, mm-hmm. but my favorite bit and he uses this in a lot of his media stuff and it fits perfectly into the 50 or States podcast format is a very wor- bad date that stems from his disability and His disability is why the bad date happens, but it's also what makes it really funny. Mm -hmm. A cute murder student had agreed to sleep with him after a night of flirting. After going back to Andrew's bedroom, he recalls heavy bouts of kissing while guiding his date, while he guided his date, telling him how and where to help him into a specifically designed sling. After, sorry, later, while lying in what Andrew playfully describes as a Dead turtle position, that is, on his back, unable to move because of his disability, the unthinkable happened. The guy he'd been sleeping with had gotten up to use the bathroom and subsequently locked himself out of the bedroom. With both of them completely naked and unable to assist, the rest was a cringeworthy but hilarious mix of quick thinking and awkwardness. Andrew credits his date's willingness and vulnerability in the situation as a humorous example of the positives that come when authors understand that everyone's experiences are different. This sounds like an Amanda problem because A it takes home foreign dude. Mm-hmm. Fucks foreign dude. <laughs> Hilarity ensues. Yeah. His fucking date got locked out of his room and he's there completely immobile because of his fucking disability (laughs) in a
0: dead turtle
1: position.
0: Oh no. Yeah, that's
1: You can't help but laugh at that a little bit. I mean, yeah,
0: it was probably one of those not funny now but funny later situations.
1: And There's a hot British man on the other side of that door trying to get back in. Mm -hmm. Like, what? No. What? Hilarious. It, that's some dorm room antics that I just generally enjoy. It really
0: is. Because
1: I think that, that's like a college story too. <laughs> but yeah, guys, disabled people fuck. They like to have sex. They like to be kinky. His whole thing is he has a like, uh, kinky disabled sex club in Toronto that he runs. Um, that I think it's called Deliciously Disabled. Um, which sounds fucking cool. And like, yeah, you're what your body can or cannot do cannot limit you in a dating capacity.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Only if you or other people let it. So everybody needs to stop being an asshole. Truth. Basically. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. And with that but yeah, to wrap it all the fuck up, dead total position, lupus and all. <laughs> Amanda, what is your happy ending this week?
0: So my happy ending is the fact that Nancy Pelosi announced the uh, impeachment inquiry on Donald Trump. Because fucking finally. Fucking finally. And so although it is a small win, it is still a win. And I'm stoked about it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. The black mark on his bullshit legacy. My happy ending is similar, because I am going to D.C. Uh, in two days. Hey. And I will be in the midst of that madness. <laughs> like, I was planning out my day on Friday, and I was like, yo, if she comes out of the Capitol and she's like, impeachment, we should do another thing instead of the other thing we had planned, so we are closer to the Capitol and the madness. And then I was like, wait we have brunch reservations and dc has like a unreal day drinking culture because these people work too goddamn hard five days a week and then they like don't have time to really be hung over so they day drink mm. i was like yo brunch is gonna be even weirder <laughs> with this impeachment thing right and she's like oh fuck yeah the city's gonna go fucking nuts it's gonna be great
0: it's so, gonna be
1: so I- i'm excited Everybody's a combination of celebrating, but if you are any kind of aide for a Democratic congressperson, you are going to be hunkered the fuck down for a while. Or if you're an aide for a Republican congressperson, you are also going to be hunkered the fuck down to make sure your person has no dirt.
0: True, but everyone's got dirt.
1: Everyone's got dirt. So it's going to be a mess, and it's going to be interesting, and I am excited to see how sloppy it gets. Thank you, Nancy. Thank you, thank you Senator Dick Durbin. <laughs>
0: yeah. Oh, thank you, America.
1: Love you, America. You know who else who? I love? Our listener mail submission yes. this week. Uh, this is from
0: Maddie. Oh, hi, Maddie. I hope you're listening. Hi. Um, I hope totally you are. forgot to respond to your email, so we'll probably do that. I'll probably do that after we're finished recording. <laughs>
1: Yeah, we'll do this. We'll do that after this. And we'll be like, yo, you'll be on the podcast. So, first off, I'd like to start out by saying I really love your podcast. Yay. <laughs> Emoji. It's actually so funny and relatable. We try. I've always wanted to share this date with people. So here I go. We are honored. We are honored. I met this guy one day. Well, While I was with some friends, I honestly don't know how he showed up. He might have been a friend of my friends, but I can't remember. We talked like maybe twice before and barely knew each other. I was talking as always with my friends and trying to be chill with this guy, kind of here all up in our business. But I kept looking over because he seemed super weird and awkward and he straight up, he'd be straight up staring at me, full on staring at me and not breaking it. I was like, "Well, okay, it's not the worst thing that could be happening right now." (laughs) Positivity, Mm -hmm. I like it. So I just kind of played it off like I didn't notice. This guy was slowly getting closer. I swear. (laughs) I look over, and he'd be like a step closer each time. What? (laughs) It literally. Imagining this, I'm imagining him being very brooding. It really reminds me of
0: like the hash slasher it's episode of fucking dog bomb and nose <laughs> He's the
1: hash maddie the hash slinging <laughs> slasher i was talking with my friends about how guys aren't super straightforward with their feelings and i don't have the balls to tell and they don't have the balls to tell you that they like you this dude out of nowhere asks me out I barely knew the dude, and he asked me out in front of everyone. I totally did not want to go, but I was surrounded by people edging me on. Hey. Edging (laughs) you on. (laughs) And the peer pressure was intense, so I said yes. I went on the date the next day. We went to the movies to watch (laughs) Aquaman. Also did that once. Because he refused to go see anything else. I refused to go see anything else. We each bought our own things. (laughs) Hey, hey, emoji. He didn't even offer to pay at all. We're sitting in our seats in the theater and about less than halfway through the movie, he puts his arm around me and tries to go in for a kiss. My instinct <laughs> is to flinch and pull away. I do, but he tries to go for it, in for it. I shoot up in the middle of the theater while the movie is playing. Everyone is staring at me and obviously pissed because I'm interrupting their movie. I was so embarrassed and I felt awkward. I walked out of the theater and didn't look back. The next day while I was with my friends at lunch, I told my friends the date didn't go well. I didn't feel like telling the whole story, so I just said he wasn't the guy for me. The guy came to sit with us again. He looked at me and then looked at my friend and asked oh her god. out.
0: And she was like, oh my god, yes. Oh my god. Also, Rocky became a thirsty hoe during that story. Just like this guy.
1: <laughs> a thirsty... Just like this guy and me and yeah, I mean, I... First of all, I think it's really funny that... This I just, Maddie, you're clearly still in a place where there is a designated lunch hour, and I love that you listen to us Mm -hmm. for that reason. It makes me so pleased and so happy that you're listening to our feminist tirade every week.
0: So thank you, Maddie, for sending that in. Um, that's pretty. That's so bizarre, but so amazing.
1: Tell us if the date with the friend went well. Like, are they together now? Please and thank you. Follow up. I wanna know if he takes girls out to movies and then just tries there to be done with them. That's definitely a type of person. <laughs> also, I
0: would have been like, excuse me, I'm watching Jason Momoa. Although this movie is absolute garbage, I need to see Jason Momoa, please and thank you. Do not interested.
1: exactly. I literally made a man take me to see Aquaman pay for my ticket, and then we never spoke after that because I was so turned on during the whole movie. Amazing. and not by him.
0: So if you want to be like Maddie and would like to submit your own worst date, horror story, sex mishap, or boner blunder, please feel free to submit named or anonymous stories to 50worstdatespodcast at gmail.com or slide on into our DMs at 50worstdatespod on Instagram. Mine is Pikachu 18 And
1: mine is Coyle 27
0: And if you...
1: If you think we're valid sources of, for advice and want to ask us questions, we'll take those emails. Can
0: okay, you just cut me off, guys? I know.
1: I wanted to say something. <laughs> you can go
0: ahead. Our goal is to base future episodes after stories that are not our own because we fortunately have not been on that many bad dates.
1: I am t- also taking submissions of news stories that are about bad dates. I found one from Florida. It's going to go in the Halloween horror story episode. I'm excited. Amazing. If you love our music, it's from bensound.com. And if you love our cover art, it's by Tori Scranton. You can find her at tscrantonart on Instagram and Etsy. Boom. And we'll be back next week to talk about the disabilities in your brain. Yo, yo, yo. Yo.